0: Please turn into your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. You know, as fiercely independent as we all are, when we're in a relationship, we are responsible for one another. We know that when we get married, we end up being responsible for one another. Parent and child... Children have a responsibility to honor their parents. Parents have a responsibility to not frustrate their children. Friends, when you have a friend, you have responsibilities there. We have a church family, you have responsibilities. And so this morning, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to be reading verses 12 through 17, and we're going to be looking at our responsibility to one another. Verse 12, Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble, and make straight paths for your feet, so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes Excuse me, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it many be defiled. That there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who said his own who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For, you know, that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place for repentance. Though he sought for it with tears. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now and I pray and ask that you will speak to us. Father, I pray that you will apply your word to our hearts. That our joy may be complete. And Father, we ask that you will make it clear what you are saying here. And that we may apply feet to what you laid before us. We thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, as we look at our responsibility to one another, we will see that we have a need to strengthen each other. We're going to discover that we need to pursue certain things and avoid immorality and godlessness. He begins in verse 12 and 13 with the idea of strengthening one another. Now, this is coming as a result of the discipline of God that we talked about last week. And he, and he and he tells us here that we are to strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. And if you take this and break it down and understand what's going on, he actually reiterates this later in the passage. When you talk about knees that are feeble, are people are having a hard time walking, right? Hands that he, hands that are weak are not being used when your hand is weak, you kind of are using your other hand to favor that hand, right? So what is he talking about when he says this? Well, as we go through the discipline of the Lord, it's real easy to get uh, a woe is me or feel a distance and to let that, that build instead of a closeness. Because God's intent in disciplining us is to draw us near, not to send us far. And when, when he does that, people can get off track. And so... Our goal here is to strengthen the hands that are weak. In other words, help them restore them to usefulness. And the knees that are feeble, those who are not walking, to help them walk. And so we have a responsibility to strengthen one another. The strength, we strengthen ourselves, he tells us here, by making our path straight. So our limbs will be healed, which is interesting because, we again, we have, we're talking about walking and usefulness. Psalms 119, verse 105, tells us that His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. So when we get on track with obedience to God, God's Word, our paths becomes straight and our lame limb will not be put out of joint. It will be healed because it becomes useful again. So, in other words, as we go through discipline, we cannot let it derail our walk in Christ, our walk and pursuit of Him. And as we do, as we get back and get ourselves in alignment with God's Word, we find that He will begin to use us again. And our hands become useful again. And so that's the point of what He's addressing here. And so we're to encourage one another to live by God's Word and become useful. See, we're not useful because we come up with a great idea or we're the great innovators of, of Christianity today. Let me tell you something. <laughs> there have been, there's people who are smarter than me. There's people who are, are better looking than me. There's people who can say it better than I can say it. But I'll tell you this. Ain't nobody do it better than God does it. And when we get in line with him, when we get in line with what he's up to, he can do things that we could never do. And that's the point. It's when I get derailed into our own thinking and our own effort and our own things. Or so-and-so hurt my feelings and I didn't like the way that happened. Or I didn't do it this way. and you know, Or God is bringing conviction in my life. Instead of drawing near to Him, I draw within myself. Which is another coping pattern that we have that we build up in our flesh to respond to the world. And we apply that to the Lord as well. And I've seen it time and time again. And I've done it time and time again. <laughs> that's how I know this stuff. is I've lived it. And so we have a requirement to each other. To strengthen each other. There's a time that that's lifting up. And there's a time that it's gently being there. When the other person is hurting. It's not quitting each other. When time gets tough. Because we know that times are going to be tough when you follow the Lord, because He said, The world hated me, it's going to hate you. And if we walk with God, we're going to face opposition. That's just the way it is. And so, as we see one another, we're supposed to lift each other up and help one another. And so, He tells us here, we have a responsibility to strengthen each other. We also have a responsibility to. To pursue certain things. In verses 14 and 15, we're told to pursue peace with others. Now, we've all heard that before, but we're not to pursue problems. Have you ever sat there in your mind and said, well, if somebody does that, I'm just going to go off on them. I would tell you that's not a godly characteristic. (laughs) We're to find ways to have peace with people, not fight with them, not create a problem, not create opposition. That's going to happen on its own, isn't it? Just when two people are in the, I mean, I don't know if you're married or not, but if you're married, you already know that. It happens, it's natural, it's part of it, but don't look for it. Don't try to turn something that somebody does into a war against you. We need to help each other. We're in this together. Listen. We have Jesus, but we have each other too. How many of you have needed somebody to show you a little grace in your life before? And how many of you have actually received grace from somebody else or something dumb you did? Weren't you so grateful to that person for that? And we can be that person for somebody else. We can do that. You can be that person that's somebody's hero by demonstrating grace. We're to pursue peace with others. Look for good intent. And if there's problems, we have to work to solve them. And let me tell you something. There's a process set out in scripture for that that's rarely followed anymore. (laughs) I don't know why. We kind of pick and choose. Listen, this Bible is not inspired in spots. This Bible is inspired cover to cover. And so if Joe Bob here offends me, I'm going to talk to Joe Bob and try to resolve it. If Joe Bob and I still can't resolve it, then I'm going to take two or three with me and talk to Joe Bob. Say, and with the heart of restoration, not correction. And if Joe Bob still won't hear us, then we take it to the church. That's the process. People go, man, I don't want to go through church discipline. Good, then when, Joe, when I go to Joe Bob or Joe Bob comes to me, let's solve it then. Fantastic. And if everybody submitted to the Lord and it's not about our feelings and about how you made me feel, we have to be careful of that. That's a self-centeredness. That includes me. Because I have feelings too, believe it or not. Well, that's a shocker. And you know what? My feelings aren't always right either. You know, I'm going to defend the ladies here for just a minute. Ladies, you guys catch a bad rap for being feeling-based. You really do. Feelings were created by God. And can, let's listen, guys, pay attention. Ladies, can feelings lie to us? Okay. Logic was also created by God. Can people make a logical argument that's false? They can are doing it today that's how people are that's what deception is about I think it's I think evolution is illogical but there are people who would argue the other side who bought it so logic can also be faulty so don't trust your own mind we're not to trust in ourselves we're to trust in him And when our focus is on ourselves, we're going to go wrong every time. Trust me. Every time I do that, I go wrong. I do something wrong. I say something wrong. Even, you ever had good intentions and had it turn out bad? I guess I'm the only one. (laughs) It happens. And so we're to pursue peace. Listen, our relationship with others matters. But we're also to pursue peace with God. He talks about pursuing sanctification so others will see the Lord. How do others see the Lord in our sanctification? Well, we have to understand what sanctification is, right? That's one of those big church words like propitiation and justification. Sanctification... Is the conforming of our mind to understand and walk with the ways of God and transforming us from the inside out. So that I think like Him, I see like Him, I understand the things that He's doing, I don't trust in these ways of the world, but I trust in His ways. And so over time, Things that I struggled with when I first met Christ, I may not struggle with. And I grow in maturity. I learn to trust Him because I've trusted Him in the past. And so how do others see the Lord in that? Well, they see the change, don't they? They say something's different about you. You're not who you were. The hand of God has been upon your life. And they see the hand of God as He applies Himself to you. creates change the Holy Spirit and pressure right you can't peel an orange without pressure you can't get crushed ice without pressure you can't get water flow without pressure Pressure is what creates change. And you know, I, I'm telling you, I, for the record, this stinks. <clears throat> but God allows pressure in our lives to make the changes He wants. You know, I, the president of our seminary, I was sitting in his office and he was talking with somebody else. And they, they were having a conversation in front of me. It wasn't... Like I was eavesdropping, I just heard it. It was the, I was there, and he made this comment. And it, see, this is the point I'm making when I say other people can hear your conversations and it can change them. And so you may not even be talking to them. But he made this comment to this guy he's talking to, and he said, "You know, most people pray for deliverance from the storm. Sometimes the storm is the deliverance. He sends the storm to deliver us from something." It's meant to bring us out of or move us along in our faith. And so as we pursue sanctification, as God works on us, the world sees him and has hope of interacting interaction with him and a relationship themselves. See, that's, you know what the world's biggest fear is, that they're going to give up the fun and it's going to be this. You know, they see us as sitting here with dust on us and cobwebs. I don't want that either. <laughs> I want something living and vibrant and exciting and, and forgiving and uplifting and where, we're, where every kid on the team is swinging and, stri- and, and whether they're hitting the ball or striking out, they're swinging at every pitch because they're not afraid. You know, I've said before, Wayne Gretzky said the only goals that don't score are the ones you don't take. That's a paraphrase. And so we pursue, we pursue sanctification. We pursue peace with God. But we're also to pursue others' peace with God, their peace with God. Listen, it takes discernment Others, listen, This it takes discernment. Give others grace so a root of bitterness does not spring up. Because if I don't give grace to Jobob, poor Jobob, he's had a rough week. If I don't give grace to Jobob, where can the root of bitterness spring up? In me, for one, right? And possibly in Joab, can spring up. And a root of bitterness is that's, has anybody ever read that in a list of godly characteristics? No. no. But it happens all the time. There's bitter people who are not in church because somebody said or did something or hurt them. Listen, how many of you have ever been hurt by somebody who loves you? You don't have to raise your hand if it happened the last week. <laughs> or the last hour. Or on the way to church this morning. Has that ever happened to y'all? Have you ever been fighting in the car all the way to church and you go inside and you go, Hey, how you doing? I'm good, I'm We're all good. I thought it was, well, never no, you didn't. It happens, doesn't it? happens and so we have these things we're to pursue peace it takes discernment listen (laughs) if the root springs up if it does spring up it's going to affect others and if it doesn't spring up it's going to affect others it's going to affect others in a good way or a bad way Affect others in a good way or a bad way. That's why, in our like, when somebody joins, if you're contemplating joining, you will hear this in the class because we talk about coming here and serving and doing ministry and the things that God did. I tell everybody, and I believe this with all my heart, I said, I'll tell them up in advance, you are going to make a mistake here. And I want you to make a mistake here. I don't want you to make a mistake, but I want you being in the position because we're trying something. We're trying to so we're doing something for the Lord as He's leading us. Mistakes happen. But in the same breath, I am also going to make a mistake. I'm going to make a bad judgment call. I'm going to say something dumb. I'm going to say it at the wrong time. And the grace is a two-way street. And so now that that's out of the way, let's get on to what God's called us to. Right? Amen? Amen. And God will use different people in your life. And so you giving grace could change many lives. You know, we think it's just for them. But imagine, if somebody's sitting there with a root of bitterness, all the people they could have affected have not been touched because we didn't give grace lastly we're instructed to avoid immorality and godlessness we're told to see to it that there be no immoral or godless person and the writer uses Esau as an example of both and I started to contemplate that I'm like what was immoral about what Esau did I mean, he was just a you know, he was in the field where Jacob was a tender of the flocks. But we have to understand when we and when we think about morality, we usually think about sexual content, don't we? That's immoral. But that's not what's going on. Here it was about trading his blessings away to feed his flesh. Wasn't that immorality by definition? We feed the flesh instead of being a part of the blessing. We choose this whether it's too much food. You ever eat too much before? We have that feeling this is what we all look like when we've eaten too much. <laughs> Unless we've learned to wear the stretchy pants. You know, they make stretchy pants. Did y'all know that? Yeah. See, I'm here to set you free. <laughs> but we have to be careful that we're not feeding the flesh. That's why what he was doing was immoral. It was about him. It wasn't about God and what God wanted. We also addresses godlessness. Well, how was he so godless? See, he wanted the results of a relationship with God without the relationship. He wanted the blessing without the relationship. Now, many will say that he had a wonderful relationship with his father. But when he lost his birthright, he sought after the birthright and not the relationship with his father. He was after that. And not say, "Dad, you know, I'm sorry, that that happened, but I'm here, I'll always love you." He was broken over that. And he found no place for repentance. and tears, listen, tears do not identify genuine repentance. You all know the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow? Worldly sorrow is sorry you got caught. and I feel terrible. You caught me. I feel bad now. Godly sorrow is an act of the Holy Spirit for the, in your heart convicting you of the action done, regardless of anybody's sorrow. There's a difference. One leads away from God, one leads to God. And so he had worldly sorrow. He couldn't even find repentance. Because it wasn't genuine. It was about him. It was still about him. And so we're not to put on a show of spirituality. Anything that takes the place of God in our lives is immoral. Especially our flesh. And so we have to choose him and deny our flesh. We all know that. We all know that. And it's a mystery to me why... I, or you, still choose our flesh. I don't know about you, but sometimes I do. Why? Why would we do that? I can't speak for you, but sometimes I think it's just because I don't love him the way I should. Let's be honest. Why would I do that? Why would I hate or be upset with somebody that God loves so much? That's what this goes back to. About our responsibility to one another. You already said that you're in a family and you've offended each other. Okay? So, that's going to happen. Welcome. And now, let's get on to the real thing. Let's not let the enemy get in the way. And so if we're going to take our responsibility to one another seriously, we have to ask ourselves this question, or this is one of the questions we need to ask ourselves, how do we encourage one another to align our lives with God's word? How do I do that? If We're told that. How am I supposed to do that? How does that function? How do we take that, unpack that from here into what God is asking of us? Well, we start by aligning our own and letting God express himself through our obedience, right? So if I, how do I tell somebody else? Well, first of all, I can't tell you how to get there without a map or having been there myself, right? <coughs> Makes sense. So I bring my life into subjection to the Lord and what he's asking of me and the small things and the big things, we call them small and big. If God speaks it at all, it'll be big. Even if it's say hi to that person over there, or if it's you need uh, somebody comes to your mind and you pray for them, or if it's going to somebody. And, you know, how how many of you have ever been blessed (laughs) or should I say blessed out? Uh, Somebody comes and they they know that you're hurting and they want to quote scripture to you. you. Ever been there? Man, isn't that awesome? It just makes you feel so great. Why do people, why do we do that? I want to know that you care first before I am ready to hear. Because I'm hurting. You know, I had a friend and I've shared this story before. I don't think all of you have heard it though. My friend was a a counselor. He was uh, on staff at First Baptist Atlanta counselor his son was 16 years old they were cliff diving having a good time all day son jumped off head first hit a rock under the water and did not die from the impact he drowned everybody came by to him and the father's telling me the story everybody came by and they're quoting all these scripture verses and all this stuff And he said, his friend came by and he opened the door and when his friend saw him, he began to weep. He came in and sat there for 30 minutes and they just wept. And then he just got up and left. He said, you know, that was the most healing thing that anybody can do for me. God's word says to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. When we take this and just apply it simple, just apply what it says, the way it says it, uses us he saw God in that man that day he didn't give him no scripture verse he said I can't tell you all the scripture verses that were quoted in me I can imagine well let me tell you brother all things work together for good to those who love Christ and are called according to his name he doesn't need that he's hurting God knows what people need pay attention pay attention to that, Stephen is a master at this, he's a master he's probably one of the best or the best I've ever met in my life to be able to see other people and so I think that's why God sent well that may be one reason God sent him in my life (laughs) the others we will not unpack here publicly (laughs) But we have, to, we have to ask, how do I encourage them? By doing it. By walking yourself. That alone will draw others to do the same. Then we don't meddle, we actually tell them. By our life. If we're going to take our responsibility seriously. If we're going to pursue peace with others. We have to learn to lay down our own rights. That's tough, isn't it? It's tough to lay down your own rights. Well, I'm not going to reconcile with them. What they did to me was wrong. That shouldn't have happened. Is that the face we'd show if Jesus walked in? The thing is, Jesus is here. you don't know what that person did to me at church. There's a lot of bad things done by well-meaning people. You ever had good intentions and it turned out bad? We talked about that, right? You thought what you're doing was right was wrong. You did it for the right reason. You thought it was the right reason. Let me tell you something. You cannot help anybody unless they invite you in it is not my job to bring conviction in your life can't do it it's not my job to fix your behavior man that makes me feel so much better because y'all are a mess <laughs> that's not <laughs> that's terrible cut that on. he's going to put that for sure That's not my job. Whose job is it? It's the Holy Spirit's job. Why do we insist on doing the job of the Holy Spirit? That's where we get frustrated. My job is to love you and to be there for you and to weep when you weep and rejoice when you. That's what the instruction to us is. Is God capable of speaking to anybody in here this morning? Yes or no? Yes. So if God chooses not to do it, why do I think I ought to? Who do I think I am? God can handle it. Now, if he asks me to speak to somebody about something, man, I'm going to be in prayer. Because I want to make sure that's something that God said, that when I approach it, God has already prepped the subject. And when I go in, I'm going to be asking questions and I go, well, let me tell you what God told me about you. That always goes well, doesn't it? Listen, (laughs) we're to pursue peace with others. And you know what? Pursuing peace with others and denying ourselves is a godly characteristic. Did you know that? What did Jesus do when he came to pursue peace with us? He denied himself. He denied. He laid down the expression of his glory. He clothed himself in righteousness. When they attacked him, he took it. He didn't. Man, he could have went and they'd been gone. He didn't have to do that. He just had to think it. All right, who else wants to come against me? They're gone. Not even an effort. but he didn't do that when they were rejecting who he claimed to be he sat there and he took it and they spit on him and they ripped his beard out and they jammed thorns in his brow and after they had ripped him and his, and his back was raw. they threw a cross on it and made him carry it listen when I've got an open wound that hand is kind of lame for a little bit it don't even have to be that big <laughs> that's because I'm a man and not a woman oh. women man they'll be yeah their tendons can be hanging out they're like yeah I'm sirening they don't women are tougher than men there's no question I think it's because they have to put up with us <laughs> but yeah and so here it is he denied himself we have to deny ourselves deny yourself lastly we must be able to discern the difference between genuine a genuine and a genuine authentic heart to the Lord and for someone put on a show now here's how you do it here's how you do that here's the test why are they doing it is it to gain something for themselves or is it to help others walk with the Lord Our goal must be used and unseen so God our 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 goal must be to be used and unseen so God receives all the glory. It's not so people notice me. Who cares? This ain't about me. It's about the work he's doing with. You. It's you connecting with him and me getting out of the way and facilitating that. It's the healing that comes in the relationship with him. You know, there was a coach named Slug Jordan. He was at Auburn University. I thought this was a perfect story for football with some season kicking off. you all anybody watch the games this weekend? Yeah, thank you, one, two, and three. So he calls up his former linebacker, Mike Cullen, who was playing for the Miami Dolphins. And he asked him to help do some recruiting. And he said, sure, coach, I'll help you. And so he said, what are you looking for in the player? And so they met and he said, you know the guy, when you knock him down, he stays down? He goes, yeah, coach, we don't want him, right? He goes, that's right. He said, You know the guy when you knock him down, he falls down, he gets back up, you knock him down, he stays down the second time? He says, Yeah, coach. We don't want him, right? So that's right. And he says, You know the guy when you knock him down, he gets up, you knock him down again, he gets, him down, he gets back up, you knock him down, he gets back up, you knock him down, he gets back up. And he goes, Yeah, that's the guy we want. He said, No. He said, I want the guy knocking all those guys down. <laughs> But let me tell you, football and church are different. Mm-hmm. We're not looking for people to knock one another down. We're looking for people who will raise one another up. And sometimes we're going to trip each other, and sometimes we're going to do things, but we've got to pick each other up. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're called to. We have a responsibility. To one another to help one another and we have to accept that I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes